thanks very much. It's a New Testament reading. It's from uh, Luke chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. I have a friend who has, over the years, occasionally invited me to go fishing with him, telling me of the excitement of the catch, the thrill of the chase and all that. Uh, he's shown me some of the many photos that he has around the house and on Facebook of him standing proudly displaying a kind of record-breaking carp. Anyway, he speaks eloquently of the wonderful peacefulness that comes through sitting for hours in God's creation with time to think and reflect and receive from God. Well, I have to say I can't see it myself. I may be speaking from a position of ignorance, but it all sounds to me like a, a lot of time and not a lot to show for it. Certainly, this had been the experience of Simon, James and John, Fishing Partners Incorporated, Sea of Galilee, founded 18 AD. They'd spent the best part of the last decade learning their profession as fishermen. Night after night, they'd set out in their boats, making their way onto a sea brimful of fish in the hope of bringing home a reasonable catch. Their nets were always carefully cleaned, the holes just the right size, big enough to let the tiddlers through, but small enough to catch the fish worth catching. They had years of theory behind them, gleaned from their own personal experience, coupled with a careful study of the theory and practice of deep sea night fishing by Rabbi J.R. Hartley. These guys knew their stuff, they had the kit, they had the theory, and they had the lake. What they didn't have on the morning Jesus came along was any fish. Doubtless they had had a wonderful time communing with the God of creation and they had been deeply spiritually blessed by a night on the lake with nothing to show for it. But they still didn't have any fish. They could bask in all the tranquility they liked but with no fish to show for it. It was all a bit of a waste of time. 
And then along comes Jesus and he's brought a crowd with him who are all longing to hear him speak to them. But the problem is there isn't really anywhere to stand where he can make himself heard. So when he spots Simon, James and John sitting on the shore some way from their boats, cleaning and mending their nets after their hopeless nights fishing, he asks Simon if he can borrow his boat. And having put out a little way from the shore, Jesus takes the opportunity to teach the crowd. And after he's finished teaching, he turns to Simon, who by this point must have been exhausted. He's spent all night fishing, he's cleaned the nets, he's sat for a sermon he wasn't expecting, and then Jesus turns to him and suggests that they go out into the deeper water and have another go at this fishing lark. Bear in mind this is Jesus the carpenter, Jesus the teacher and preacher, not Jesus the fisherman. And here he is telling Simon, who's been fishing since he was a child, to come on let's give it another go. You can just imagine the thoughts that went through Simon's head. It's time for bed. The fish are all hiding today. Who does this know-all think he is? My nets are just nicely clean for tomorrow night and if I let them down again now I'll have to clean them again and then I'll never even get home for lunch. So actually when you think about it Simon is quite diplomatic. Although it is entirely possible of course that Luke has exercised some degree of censorship over Simon's language here. Anyway, Simon politely points out to Jesus that they've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I imagine then a very long pause before Simon gives in with a huge sigh, saying despairingly, if you say so, I'll let down, let down the nets again. Subtext, of course, what a complete waste of time this is going to be. And we all know what happens next. The catch is so huge that the nicely cleaned nets start to break. So Simon shouts for his partners on the bank to come and help, and then the catch is so heavy that it starts to sink the boats. We'll come back to Simon's reaction to this incident in a little while. What I want to do now, though, is just for a minute to think about what lessons we might take from this passage so far. Well, I said at the beginning that I'm not a great fishing fan, but in many ways the image of fishing can be a useful metaphor for the for us thinking about why we exist as a church, and especially with regards to how we relate to the world around us. Now, as with all metaphors, we need to be careful not to push it too far. We are not talking here about an evangelistic policy where we try and snare unsuspecting people in order to use them for our own purposes or so that we can keep records of the size of our catch. That would be to push our interpretation of scripture too far. However, there are many parallels between the story of Jesus, Simon and the catch of fish and our own situation as a church in the world. And the key to understanding the parallel is to think of the fishing boats as a metaphor for Christian congregations. And boats can either be safely moored at the bank, protected from harm and nice and easy to get in or out of, or they can be out at sea, where violent storms may occur and danger lies around every corner, but where they're also surrounded by millions of fish. And so it is with Christian congregations, who can either be the kind of church which safely protects itself from the snares of the world, never running any risks, never putting themselves on the line, the kind of church that it's easy to opt in or out of, or the kind of church which is out there in the world, 
facing the storms which may threaten from time to time, taking risks, but also engaging with the culture of the world, surrounded by the millions of people who have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And don't forget the crowd on the shore in our story, who kind of parallel, I think, the fish in the sea. The crowd want to know Jesus. They're queuing up to hear him, crowding round him in their desire to have their spiritual needs met. But before Jesus could minister to them, he had to get into the boat and put off from the shore. And we're never going to share in Jesus' mission to a world that is still desperately in need of good news. If, when he gets into our boat, we remain safely moored at the bank. One of the problems we can face here, though, is that sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that we know more about the task of the church than Jesus does. I mean, let's face it, we've been at this game for a while now. Between us, we have an awful lot of experience on how to do church. And we've certainly invested in having all the right kit. We have an amazing building on which a lot of money has been spent over the years to keep it in good order and make it look and feel such a lovely place to worship. And I'm looking forward to getting back to our building at some point. Compared to many churches around the world in boat terms, the Bloomsbury yacht wouldn't look out of place in a harbour regatta. And in the meantime, we have Zoom and we have a webinar license and we have our Christian copyright license and our streaming license and we've invested in all that we need to do to meet online. We're doing very well. And we've got the theory. I mean, forget Rabbi J.R. Hartley. We've got a long tradition of preaching. We've got Bible studies, home groups, personal devotions. We know our stuff. And we've also got the lake. London is a huge sea of opportunity. Millions of people with spiritual needs yet to encounter the joy and peace and love and acceptance and welcome that a relationship with Jesus can bring into their lives. But what we don't have, and don't take this the wrong way, is all that many fish. We might have a wonderful time in our wonderful boat communing with God, and being deeply spiritually blessed by the time we spend here. But I do wonder what it's all worth if at the end of the night's fishing we don't have many fish to show for it. And we can't live our lives on the memory of successful fishing trips in the past. That wouldn't have kept Simon, James and John in business very long and it won't do for us either. And we can't exist on mere memories. Great though those memories and stories of our history and heritage are. George Carey once famously said that the church is only ever one generation away from extinction. If we stop being a fishing church, if we spend our time thinking about our successful catchers from the past, and if we moor up at the shore and get out and start cleaning our nets, eventually we're going to die through lack of fish. Church growth is not a dirty word. It is the business of the kingdom of God. And I think we need to ask ourselves the question, and the beginning of a new year is a good time to ask it, of where we are now as a church. 
Are we out in the middle of the sea with all of the dangers and risks and excitement that that involves, casting our nets into the deep, waiting and praying for Jesus to fill them with catch? Persevering, possibly even beyond the point where it looks like we're going to get anything? Or are we moored comfortably by the shore, nipping in and out of the boat as it suits us, spending our time cleaning our nets, making sure we look all nice and tidy, tinkering with our own internal structures? Have we forgotten what it's like to actually put out to the sea? Many churches spend much of their time anchored in the shallows. Perhaps not at that stage where the boat has grounded on the bank and all the people have got out, but not out in the middle of the sea either. Most churches in the UK, I would suggest, are anchored in the shallows. Catching the fish that come their way, hauling on board those people who come along actively seeking Jesus, but still close enough to the shore for people to splash in and out as they see fit. And so if we get a situation where people don't like something, maybe if the boat starts to rock a bit, off they go to find a boat that's more to their taste. Does this ring true? The thing about being in the middle of the sea is that it requires absolute commitment from all the people on board. No ship is going to put out to sea with a crew that can't really be bothered and would rather have the option of nipping ashore if it all gets a bit awkward. And of course, sometimes storms do come along. It's never all plain sailing. And it may well be that the fear of coming storms keeps us from getting too far from the land in case it gets too difficult to get out. It may well be that it's fear of risk-taking that keeps churches anchored in the shallows. There's that sweet spot of comfort that we need to be aware of. Far enough out to catch just enough fish to ensure we don't starve and die, but close enough to, in, to the shore that if the weather looks threatening and the boat starts to rock, we can jump ship, splash to the shore and find somewhere more comfortable. But there is another problem of putting out into the sea. The problem with going out there and netting, letting our nets down is that we don't know quite what we're going to catch. You see, if we've got our nets all nice and clean and our church is just the way we like it because we've spent a long time getting it that way and we spent a lot of time discussing how we can make it even better, then the problem with chucking our nets out into the sea is that they'll get dirty again and they might catch lots of dirty fish. And the problem with dirty fish in our boat is they might just muck it up so it's no longer the way we like it. Many congregations decide that it's easier to wait in the shallows, taking the fish on one or two at a time, cleaning each one carefully before letting it on board. Look at what happens in our story from the Bible. Simon sets off with Jesus on board and goes out into the deep water and he lets down his nice clean nets that he's put so much effort into cleaning and Jesus gives him a catch and the catch starts to break the nets. I should think at that moment Simon was furious. This wasn't what he planned for. His nets were his livelihood. Without them he couldn't catch anything. He was quite happy catching just enough fish to keep the business going. He certainly wasn't prepared for a catch so great that it threatened to wreck the nets. And then it got worse and the boat began to sink under the weight of the fish. And so he called his partners, James and John, and they came over and Simon's catch threatened to sink their boat as well. And suddenly Simon was no longer worried about keeping his catch for himself. He was more concerned with just keeping afloat and getting back to a place of safety. And so here we are at the end of the week of prayer for Christian unity. 
and we might consider how willing we are to work with other churches. How prepared are we to see ourselves as part of a great fishing partnership in the cause of the gospel of Christ? I think we need to put division and disunity behind us and recognise that in the task of reaching the communities around us with the good news of Jesus, we will need to work in unity with other churches and indeed with those of other faith traditions and indeed those of no faith but goodwill. For me, this is what our partnership with London Citizens is all about, working with others to bring good news to our city. And it can all seem very threatening, can't it? I mean, firstly, what if they steal some of our fish? Are we willing to take these kinds of risks with our boat? The boat we've spent so long cleaning and tidying, the nets we've spent so long getting pristine, are we willing to obey Jesus and risk everything for the sake of the catch? It all poses for us a fairly fundamental question. What do we gather together for? Why do we exist as a church? Is it to clean our nets and make our boat look great? Is it to have a nice time communing with our Lord and Saviour and with one another? Or is it to risk everything again and cast out again from the place of safety into the deep, ready for whatever catch Jesus sends our way. Are we prepared again to take the risk of doing things differently? We're talking here about the nature of our church community. At our church meeting next week, which I meant to announce in the notices, by the way, there's a church meeting next Sunday. This is your formal notice, 2pm. One of the things we're going to be talking about there is the nature of our congregational life and our deacons are talking the moment and we'll be sharing some of their conversations about what Bloomsbury is going to look like going forwards, what kind of a church community are we going to be and there will be questions we need to face here about the risks we are willing to take. Are we willing to risk breaking the nets that we've got so familiar with? Are we willing to risk sinking the boat? Part of the problem, of course, when setting out fishing like this is that we have no control over who Jesus will send us. And we only have to look at the Gospels to see the type of people Jesus said he came to save. And if we are to take risks, being a truly inclusive and welcoming community, casting our nets into the deep, taking on board whatever catch Jesus sends us. Well, what's to stop him send us people we might find challenging? Are we prepared to trust the security of our boat to Jesus? To be more concerned with fishing for people than anything else? How are we going to respond? Maybe like Simon, our first reaction will be, well, Jesus, we tried that before in 1977 and it didn't work. We tried that before last year and it didn't work. We tried that last night and it didn't work. And Jesus says, we'll try again, keep risking. And of course, eventually, we come to realise that we have no high ground on which to stand. We're no better than anyone else. 
We're all just sinners saved by grace. All our net cleaning is irrelevant because we're already just as in need of cleansing as anyone else that Jesus calls. So I wonder if at the end we can join with Simon in confession and a sense of our own sinfulness and a profound awareness of the grace of God who has called us to be part of this crew of this ship so that through, Christ, through us Christ can set out into the world and bring many more into his kingdom. Thank you, Simon. Let us take a few moments to reflect on that. Thank you. I'm going to be joined for this panel discussion by Duncan, Luke, Annie, and Dan. And of course, your, your comments um, on the chat are still welcome. Who would like to start and reflect on that fishing metaphor? Okay. Well, I think one. Uh, Luke, go ahead. Yeah. Thanks, Duncan. Um, the, I, first of all, I completely sympathise with how Simon started the the sermon, saying fishing has never really ever appealed to me. Um, and so, as metaphors go, it's hard to picture myself in a boat and wanting to be in that space. Um, but I think there's also a, a resistance that that comes in me as well, that the kind of the metaphor of casting a net can sometimes feel a little bit aggressive. It can feel a little bit like, you know, you're coming into this space whether you want to or not. Um, and I think that might be a pushback for me personally from kind of an upbringing in a context where it's kind of evangelized at all costs that if you don't do this, then that person won't be saved. Um, but I think where Simon went towards the end of the sermon, where we're looking at grace and being partners with God in something bigger than just this net casting exercise where people are kind of forced into a space they don't want to be. Actually, the current, the movement, you know, God is, God is in the action of throwing the net, but God is also in the water itself and in the currents that bring people to our shores. Um, and I think there's, a, there's, there's a, a graceful approach that can be taken. Um, but also acknowledging for me as well, that sense of fear, that resistance, that, you know, what if we do something that doesn't work out? Um, and, uh, you know, I, my day job is running a charity. There's, a, there's always a sense of if I do something wrong here, you know, what if I, you know, if I don't, it, it, that, it's that catch too. If I do something wrong, it could all go wrong. If I don't do something, it probably all will go wrong. Um, and so taking that step of faith, that kind of that partnership of grace um, and maybe embracing the kind of the, the flow of the currents to see who comes to our shores and, you know, where maybe the boat is being taken as well um, are some of the things that I, I took from that. Thanks very much, Luke. Duncan, you were about to come in. Well, I think one of the things that, I, that stood out for me from the Dupree family speaking earlier on was how they put in their research into the local communities before they decided uh, a suitable way in which to engage. Luke's job is working with a charity. At the moment, my job is in communication, working with universities and, and think tanks and so on. And 
in order to get more engagement, we're doing a lot of research into who the potential audience is. So set up a, 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 a focus group, actually. And our goal is to constantly try to think, well, are we giving something to this particular group of people that would be of value to them, which would educate them, which would give them a broader perspective on the issues that we're talking about? It's not too remote. It's not too academic. It engages. So I see there's a parallel here. And in fact, one of the encouraging things is that we have got a wide skill base and a lot of different experiences within the Bloomsbury community. But I do take on what Simon said about the challenge of working with partners, because that I think he did come to me, did come across to me in the meeting, in the reading rather. And I do think it's our weakness actually, because of the sort of rather esoteric nature of theology at Bloomsbury, we are sometimes quite isolated, I feel. Very true. Uh, I'd like to bring in um, Dan and Annie. Um, do you see as do you see yourselves as fishermen and women out there? Uh, not that it should only be you, it should be all of us, but uh, you're on the ground doing all this work. There's a, there's a few things that I suppose uh, struck me. I think the first thing is that, um, you know, fish uh, don't have really much choice once they're in the network to get the boat or not. So I suppose where people sometimes look at the boats, the people and they go, no, I don't fancy getting in there, thanks very much. Um, a lot of people in our community have had kind of fishermen, if you like, come into the community and and to try to do some evangelism and, and it, it, with all the right spirit, you know, you know, and love and wanting to share the gospel with people. But frankly, they've always felt in our community for what we got there, really, that they, they just really didn't fit in with the other churches that around all the people coming in, the, the, the kind of fishermen they were, they didn't want to be in that boat, you know. And I suppose the challenge to us was that um, the, the, in the community where we're, I've talked about reciprocating some sort of relationship, the truth is that um, a lot of the people um, aren't the kind of people that lots of people want to be in their churches. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it and perhaps invite them in and make them a cup of tea and coffee and sit down and have a chat, but really to share life with some of the people in the community, it often is actually very, very difficult. And they're not always really nice and cozy, fluffy people. They're quite hard. Um, you know that, you live in central London, you know that actually the idea of kind of reaching out and being inclusive to everybody is sometimes a much nicer romantic idea than it actually is. And it's, it's usually just loving people is actually very, very difficult sometimes and painful and risky. But I think the other thing is you've mentioned about the other fishermen coming in, they had a very, very different technique to us. I'm not saying that they're wrong, it's just that actually the, the idea now, as you mentioned, I've got to work with those guys is actually quite tough and 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 painful because and um, what they're saying about how we should fish and the kind of people that are coming we're coming into our boats you know is is kind of not what we want to hear and sometimes we feel we're really right and that's so i find what simon says very 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 challenging i know that god wants us to work with other fishermen in our area even though perhaps they rejected it and that's why we're there there was no church um but now uh yeah, it's the fear actually of working with other people is actually much much bigger than we we think sometimes. I think. Do you want to add anything? Other? No, no, I think that yeah, it's really good summary. Mm. Um, just the, I think the other. Uh, sorry, after saying no, that just the one point. Um, I found really helpful about this the storm and just saying actually sometimes the fear of the storm 
is far greater than the reality. And actually sometimes when we push off and go, oh, but, but we're not quite ready, but we're not, we need to sort this out and we need to do this and we need to do the other. Actually, when we make that jump and realize we have those resources to manage whatever that storm might be, but we will never know that unless we actually are willing to move away from the shore. Yeah, and I think I think it's really important to remember Jesus is there, you know, in the storm and looking for him. It talks about the ear preparation. Essentially, it was praying, talking, looking for people that we believe that Jesus must be doing something in this area. Where is he? You know, and I think that remembering that actually Jesus is wanting to be with us and he's with us in the storm, in the boats, outside of the boats um, and, and keep looking for him. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Jeff earlier in the in the chat was saying to him the summary of the gospel is altruism trumps selfishness. It's a very powerful message, but it's one that's often not seen as unique enough and uh, is holding back interface cooperation because we're all looking for something more and something more specific to to add to this. He was also asking, you know, we are the salt of the earth. Is there a risk there of spreading too much salt so as to make it, you know, tasteless? And uh, Liz commenting on the limits of the fishing metaphor saying, you know, it's a nice metaphor, but we need to be careful about the fish. Obviously, we don't want to damage the fish, even less want to, to eat it. So how do we look after the fish and make it welcome? Uh, in, in, in an inclusive uh, community. Are they, I'm, I'm aware of, uh, of, of the time uh, running, but there any other contributions, uh, perhaps uh, opening it once more, Luke, Duncan, or Dan? I think it's a very rich uh, metaphor on which, uh, on which to reflect and indeed I, Look forward to the church meeting next week to to take that further and see how we can all play our part in that. Let me perhaps um, close it uh, at this stage. Thank you very much to the panelists' contribution and to people who contributed on the on the chat. We come now to pray for the needs of the world and for ourselves as the congregation of this church. Loving God, sustainer of us all. Thank you that we are able to meet together despite being physically distanced from each other. And thank you that we are able to maintain that long line of faithful witness of those who have gone before, particularly those known to us who've recently departed from this life. And we continue to entrust their families and friends to your loving care. Yet once more, we pray for those caught up in the COVID pandemic, as well as others ill from other causes. We pray for those who look after the sick and the dying, for those whose research enables the ongoing production of vaccinations and even more effective treatments. We pray that ways may be found to help those countries struggling to find the funds to pay for vaccinations and treatment for their people. 
give all health workers the strength and courage to carry out their work and the clarity of thought needed to recognize the direction in which they should go. We pray too for political leaders. Particularly, we pray for the USA and the new government inaugurated there last week. And also for Uganda, where the old leadership with its continuing problems has just been reinstated. We pray for those nations that have just signed the UN Nuclear Ban Treaty, and also for those that have not, each claiming theirs as the better way to world peace. We pray for all countries in turmoil, thinking especially just now of Russia, but also all others in a similar situation, whatever the cause just as we pray for our own government as it continues to deal with the impact of Brexit as well as the pandemic. Give all leaders the strength and courage to carry out their work and the clarity of thought needed to recognize the direction in which they should go. We pray for the Dupree family and their work in Albania with the BMS. We give thanks for the way the community there has been pulling together to support each other. And we think of the new work which is about to begin this week, the new homework club, the group for children with sensory disabilities and the coming closer group. We pray for this congregation that you will give us the wisdom to discern the way forward for our church community and how we may begin to prepare for this while still in lockdown. Direct us to understand what it might mean to put out to sea and to go fishing. Help us ascertain whether there are risks we should be prepared to take or groups with whom we should be cooperating. Show us how to cope with the results of our decisions. And as a community and as individuals, give us that peace that comes from knowing we are following your way and the energy and commitment we need to put this understanding into action. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord smile upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord show his favor to us and give us peace. Amen.